Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, Louis Shackshaft. You can find me on Twitter at Louis Shackshaft, and you can also find the podcast on Twitter at Championship Pod. This episode is part two of our international break special, where we will review the season of Leeds United, Derby County, Bristol City and Sheffield United. Uh, so first of all, today we have Paul, who's a Bristol City fan. Hi, Paul. Do you want to just introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi Louis, yeah, uh, my name's Paul Binning, um, Bristol City fan, um, my Twitter handle is at the XR Robin, and I was about to say I write a blog, but that's very rare these, <coughs> excuse me, very rare these days, more, <laughs> more, more Twitter and Facebook activity than actual blogging, but uh, you can find a blog at xrrobin.blogspot.com. Brilliant, uh, I mean, I'll just, I'll just get straight into it Paul, basically, we, we've got a few questions for you today, and it's, with, with the second part of our international break special, we're just having a review of obviously first of all Bristol City season so I'm going to go back seven or eight months with yourself um what were your expectations this season and we're happy to continue with Lee Johnson during this campaign um yeah I think if you look back at the start of the season I mean we last you have to look at last season I guess and we had a an abysmal run which has been well documented through sort of November right through to March and barely won a game you know, there was a poll at one point which wanted 95% of the fan base wanted Johnson out. Um, he managed to cling on and the board stuck with him. I think, to be fair, at the start of the season, most fans have kind of got themselves back in a position that, well, we're stuck with him. And, you know, let's see him giving a go. Uh, we've brought in a few summer signings, obviously, like everyone else had. Um, but I think there was always a fear and a worry that it wouldn't take many poor results to, uh, you know, affect him and... Um, you know, start the fans getting on the back again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, I think having had a, a relegation battle, having gone down, the, obviously, the last time we were in a relegation battle and struggled three or four years in a row in this, in this division, I think anywhere mid-table in a sort of sensible, safe, semi-boring season would have been actually quite a quite a, an achievement for us. And most fans would have probably been quite happy with that in a, in a sort of funny way. Um so, yeah, I think that was the case. I'd say we had a few summer signings, didn't know a lot about all of them, and build on the sort of squad that he was already building building on. But I think it's fair to say, with that runner form, there were quite a lot of doubts about quite a lot of um, sort of key players in the side, and I think we'll come and talk about a couple of them later on. But, you know, there were there, there were some doubts around the likes of Flint and Joe Bryan and 
Mm-hmm. We, we tried Bobby Reed up front in some pre-season friendlies and he'd start scoring goals in friendlies, but we all thought it was a bit of a balmy move because, you know, he'd, he'd never played up front and he's a mid, little mid, creative midfielder. And I think that, again, that was just waiting to almost go wrong for people to start getting on Johnson's back. Um, and, you know, I guess the rest is history a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you've touched on there, obviously, Bristol City have had a, a lot of standout players this season and, you know, after last season, they, they lost such as Tammy Abraham and, and coming into this season, a few players have obviously filled his boots and, and probably d- done even even better in some regards. So players such as Bobby Reed and Aidan Flint, you know, they've been spent spectacular at times this season. Do you fear that if Bristol City were to stay in this division, um, that they, you know, they may be looking for a move to a so-called bigger club or a lower league Premier Premier League club in the summer. Yeah, I think I think the three names in particular are Flint, Joe Bryan, and Bobby Reed. Um, Flint actually signed a new contract a couple of months ago. Um, signed until I think it's twenty twenty. So whether that does anything other than whack his price up for us if he does go somewhere, I don't know. But it is a bit of a statement of intent at least. Um, he was think back to August. I mean, he may or may not have picked up. But he was actually very strongly linked to a move to Birmingham and had. Birmingham shelled out an extra little bit of money for him. They'd have probably had him. Um, I think he's probably pretty relieved he dodged a bullet there at the moment. And, you know, he's been in great form this season, attracted a lot of headlines. Um, but you can see you see why he'd attract a Premier League club. But uh, I think there'd be doubts about him, doubts about his lack of pace. And he gets caught out um, a fair bit defensively. But he's he wins 99% of all headers and he obviously is strong in the box and set pieces for, you know, back defending and obviously attacking and score some goals. You can see why it attracts someone and why um, someone would take a risk. And I think when you look at the likes of, you know, Harry Maguire and Alfie Mawson, who have come up from this league and established themselves in the Premier League, I think it's a position where clubs are maybe a little bit more willing to take a risk rather than try and buy some, you know, Spanish or Portuguese defender who may not yeah, yeah. actually cope with a robust nature of a Premier League. Um Joe Bryan has just been, well, his exceptional performance against uh, Man United and Malika was just absolutely top, top draw. And I think that one game, if nothing else, would have attracted a lot of attention, a lot of scouts. Um, he's strong. He's good in the air. He's good with two feet. He can play in three or four positions. So, you know, he's got a lot of the attributes that a lot of managers will be looking for. Um, and he's 24, I think, 25. So he's probably at a good age as well. And then Bobby Reed, similarly. I mean, he says... He's been in and out of the side for a few years. He's 25 now, and it's the first season, I'd say, he's properly established himself. Uh, Lee Johnson's always been a fan of his, but to switch him up front has been a bit of a masterstroke. Um, I think what you see in him, and I'm not trying to compare him to these players whatsoever, but there's a, a bit of a Firmino and a, a son of Tottenham about him. He, he works from the front tremendously hard and yeah, yeah. creates a lot of space, and he doesn't give defenders t- any time whatsoever. And I think he just, he'd be a good at asset for someone to go in and do that role and you know if he can score 10 15 goals as well like he has done this year then obviously that's a massive added boost but yeah and he's probably our hardest working player I mean you know for a striker to have that claim attached to him obviously is a is a great attribute that a lot of managers will look at um I I was just going to say sorry there Paul you know such as Reed and Flint and Brian as you're mentioning there um it's not a bad thing, but if, if they were to move on, you'd expect each player to be worth between five to ten million. Would you agree? Or well, I mean, it, I think it depends on. Yeah, I mean, I think ten minimum for any of them. To be honest, I don't think we'd yeah. look for any less than that. I mean, Flint. 
where, where there was talk that Flint would have gone for between five and ten in the summer. I think Birmingham bid five million at one point, and we sort of still said no thanks. Um, Reed, you know, and he's he's kind of scored for fifteen twenty goals, but that means he's worth fifteen million in this division because pretty much yeah, any yeah. other striker who scores that number of goals is is worth that amount of money. Um, I think Joe Bryan similarly. I think he's such a strong player. I mean, we've got we're not as rich as Wolves or Villa, but we have got backing with Steve Lansdowne and we're certainly not under pressure to sell. So I think it would take, I mean, best estimate, I'd say 10 for Flint and probably 15 for Joe and Bobby to get us around the table. I don't think they'd um, be interested other than that, unless it was, a, say, a big-ish Premier Club. And certainly with Joe and Bobby, were both local boys, you know, whether with club just felt they owed it to them to reward their years of service with a chance to have that move. Yeah, definitely, and they're all relatively young of age, aren't they? So they've, you know, they've got potential to be worth even more if a Premier League club was to take them on. I know you mentioned the League Cup, and I was gonna, you know, that's the next question basically. Bristol City were, you know, exceptional in the League Cup this season. Do you feel though, obviously they got to the semi-final and got knocked out by Manchester City? Did do you feel that hindered their <laughs> league performance at all a little? Or yeah, I, th- I think I think it's. Yeah, it's almost unavoidable to suggest otherwise, I think, at the moment. Um, the game's less, earlier in the season less so, obviously. I think they're a bit more mm-hmm. few and far, but few and further between. And, yeah, they're in and out of other international breaks and all the other stuff. But I mean, certainly in December, we, we started December and we beat Middlesbrough at home and then Sheffield United away, both games on Sky. And I think at that point, we were up a second and you really thought, yeah. this is it, we can actually, yeah, we're... We're as good as anyone in this league other than Wolves. And I think you yeah, yeah. saw that at that point. And I think then we went on a run of, I think it was nine games in 30 days over the Christmas period, including three cup ties against the Manchester sides. And that was three games more than any other championship side played in that period. Um, we play a high-pressing style. Let's talk about Bobby Reid's work rate. You know, that's kind of the same for the wingers. But, you know, we've got wingers who work, Jamie Patterson, um, you know, worked hard and Brownhill on the other side. And I think basically we're knackered. I think we got to mid-January and we're just, we just got to be absolutely knackered. And the run of league games in that period as well was a big games. You know, we had Wolves at home, um, day before New Year's Eve, when we went to Villa, and, you know, two games in three days there. Uh, and, you know, it's, I don't think it's the wheels coming off. I think it was just, a, there was a period where we were really, really struggling. We've kind of, just about started to settle back. We had a good win against Fulham, a good win against Sheffield Wednesday, beat Ipswich last mm-hmm. weekend. So there's a bit of form coming back, but there are certainly games we've seen recently, especially away from home, where we're just really struggling to get going. And uh, say the style is a particular style. And I think if, you know, we're not the most talented team in the division, but our work rate and our pressing style has caused almost every other team issues at some point. But you can't do that if everyone's knackered. And adding to that, we had, we've had, to, I think it's the physio was on our website last week saying we've had 10 operations on the squad this year. And he's, you know, he's used to three or four in a season. We've had yeah, 10. Yeah. Um, and six players who you'd certainly expect to be in and around the first 11 on a regular basis have been out for a period of three months or more. And that obviously has an issue as well because you just can't change it up. You know, you're, especially in that December, January period, you're all tired and everyone could do a rest, but you just had no one to bring in other than younger players and, and people who you couldn't sort of guarantee would put in a solid 6, 7 out of 10 performance. So it meant the same players playing week in, week out and very little chance to have a, have a rest. I know Sheffield Wednesday in the same position and we've had a lot of similar issues this year, but uh, 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we we have. You know, it's. <laughs> I don't think even with our better players, we'd have been doing exceptionally well <laughs> this season. Anyway, we've just had one of them seasons. But yeah, it's a shame because obviously Bristol City were flying, and you know they had a, a bit of a dip in form. It, besides that, though, Paul, what are your expectations for the remainder of this season? And and do you think Bristol City can still obviously get in the playoffs and, and potentially go up? Is you know have, have you got high expectations for that to happen or? I think I think we're now one of those teams. We still got a chance. I've heard lots of talk in the last few weeks about oh, when, you know, we're out of a race. Well, we're, we're obviously not out of a race. We're three points off it, and we still got to play Middlesbrough and you know teams like that. So we're, we're also not out of a race. Um, yeah. But we we started to seem to have got in a habit of winning our home games and losing our away games, which is kind of okay. But you've got to sort of make sure you pick up something away from home at some point. And I think that's the issue we've got. Um, but yeah, we're one point off. Eight games to go. You've got to be looking at it and say, if you can pick up 16, 17 points, especially obviously most key matches against the teams around you, then you've got a chance. So definitely got a chance. I think in the playoffs, I don't fancy our chance against Villa just because they smashed us earlier in the season. And obviously got, you know, got a lot of good players there. But we've beaten all the other sides out there. We've, we've given each of them a game. And, you know, I think we'd we'd fancy our chances certainly in a, in a two-legged appearance. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, our historical playoff record is absolutely dreadful, so we've never actually gone up through a playoff. So we've had a, oh, it must be five, maybe six attempts now over the last 30 years and never actually managed it. So I don't think if we got in the playoffs, there'd be too many holding their breath for, uh, you know, to actually be the ones going up at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as I know, as a Wednesday fan, you know, the, the playoffs are, are a lottery and, you know, I hope that you get that sixth spot for yourself and, you know, but, from then on in anybody can win it but final quick question to put you on the spot Paul um, yeah. I want one word answer and I f- the question is predict a playoff winner who do you think will do it this year I think I'll go for Villa Villa fair enough and um, we're going to see what the other guys say later on in the podcast but with that we're out of time Paul for this segment so I want to thank you for joining us and do you just want to tell everyone where they can find you yeah thanks Lewis. thanks great um, yeah so I'm at the XR Robin on Twitter or xrobin.blogspot.com if you want to read a very out-of-date blog. So now I want to welcome Kevin, who is a Leeds United fan. Uh, do you just want to introduce yourself, Kevin, and tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah, excellent. Yeah, My name's Kevin Markey. I'm the editor of Leeds United Mad, an independent website on Leeds, of course. And uh, my Twitter handle is Leeds United underscore Mad, and you can follow me on there, um, where I obviously report on everything Leeds United. So we're going to get straight into it, Kev. I've got yep. a few questions for you, basically reviewing Leeds' season. Uh, so first of all, uh, before if we go back in time before yep. the season began, how did you see the campaign uh, panning out and where did you expect to finish this season? Well, obviously I was under the impression that the season would have started under Gary Monk again because he, he had such a great season last season, nearly getting oh. us to the playoffs. So when he left and took his backroom staff with him, Pep Clotet, James Beattie and everybody else, and then we lost um, Chris Wood just as the season had started, basically, and Charlie Taylor, two of our most influential players from last season. Then we lost Liam Bridcutt as well. Uh, Kyle Bartley went back to Swansea. So we, And Rob Green was um, obviously told he was no longer required. So we lost the massive spine of the team, really. So... Uh, when we announced a new manager in Thomas Christensen, I didn't really expect to do any better than seventh, to be honest with you. I thought we would be very mid-table with the new players that we brought in. 
And um, that's the way it seems to be panning out now, because um, even though we did get off to an excellent start, obviously that sort of um, went a bit sour a couple of times this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. And obviously it led to his sacking um, in, in January, February as well. So overall, I didn't expect us to do as well as we did last season. Obviously you hope to do as well, because we did sort of nearly get into the playoffs. But with with the new regime and the new ownership and the new players that were brought in, I honestly didn't expect us to get um, anything higher than maybe top 10, to be honest with you. Yeah, you mentioned Christiansen there. Um, the next question I wanted to ask, basically, and, and you also men- mentioned the dip in form, I think one were just before Christmas and then maybe again around February, March time. But they, they had obviously a couple of dips in form under Christiansen. Did you think, though, Leeds United were right to sack him. What were your thoughts on that at the time? Yeah, um, obviously he, he brought in his own um, players. Uh, or we, he was helped to to bring them in, basically. I don't know if he had a, a huge say in who, who he got in or whether it was the director of football, Victor Arthur, was organising all the players. But um, obviously you, you had the impression that he had some sort of say in, in who was coming in. But I thought I did honestly think it would take him time to settle into the sort of um, English football, if you like, because he was only he was only used to managing clubs in Cyprus, which is a very minor league. Even though he did work very well in getting um, his side into the, um, I think it was the Europa League last sixteen, which is a fantastic achievement for mm-hmm. a, a team from Cyprus. So his pedigree, uh, managerial wise, wasn't fantastic as such, but it was okay. Uh, even though he's playing career, he obviously played in the Bundesliga, obviously, and he was top scorer there for a season. And obviously, he played for Spain a couple of times, so his pedigree, and he had a Barcelona background, so his pedigree as a player was excellent. I just think it needed a bit of time, really, in English football for him to sort of adapt to the sort of football he wasn't used to. And I honestly think he should have been given at least till the end of the end of the season, and then it could have been reviewed in the summer whether they were going to continue with him or maybe try a, a different angle altogether. So I think it, w- it was harsh that he he'd lost his job the way he did, um, yeah. and I think he did he did deserve a, a longer uh, at least till the end of the season to be to be fair. All right, it's interesting you said that because from. My perspective, I know I'm not obviously a Leeds fan, but I, I completely agree with what you said. I, I thought Christiansen, yes, he had a couple of dips in form with Leeds and I thought they could have given him till end of the season. It's not like they were in a relegation battle or, or even really in, in the bottom half of the table. So for me, it would have been nice to see him given till end of the season because I'm, I'm not one for teams just sacking managers yeah. willy-nilly and, and Leeds United seem to, to be doing that. But... I don't want to embarrass you, but I couldn't not do this podcast without bringing it up. Um, can you update us on, obviously, there was all this, <laughs> <laughs> the embarrassment yeah. of, the, of the club badge situation. Uh, what What is the update on that badge? Well, the, the one is that obviously the club decided to delay it because all, um, all, all the sort of comments they got, like awful, shocking, horrendous, from the when they did avail a, a new badge in January, obviously yeah. they had to sort of take another look at it because 70, over 77,000 people or fans signed a petition asking the owner to stop the launch of the original design. So something had to be done. Uh, obviously they jumped in with two feet there thinking, oh, yeah, the, the fans will accept this. It's a new badge, a new era. But when you looked at it, it, it was dreadful, basically. And even even opposing fans were mocking it, really. And... Since then, obviously, they put a delay on it till next season. 
that's when the uh, obviously centenary season will be 1919 to 2019 and they've had about 1200 ideas like you would from the support so i think they've got plenty of ideas now on how they should get it right yeah. hopefully for next season and when they look at all the ideas from the from the supporters like I say 1200 ideas i'm sure they'll make the right decision this time and, and put it to some sort of forum this time where fans can actually pick which one they actually like so yeah after a dreadful uh, decision i think they've decided to do the right thing and hopefully the right design will come out for the centenary year next year yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, I think in the long run it'll probably work out for the best. It was just a shame they didn't get it right the first time, I guess. Exactly, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, obviously more recently, Leeds United appointed Heckingbottom from Barnsley. Mm-hmm. Um, were you happy with this appointment and how do you expect the remainder of the season to pan out and, and where will Leeds United finish? Yeah, well, obviously uh, it was a um, not, not an expected decision because I, I don't think Heckingbottom would have been everybody's choice because obviously he's been struggling a little bit this season with Barnsley even though he's done a fantastic job there don't get me wrong he's got them promoted and everything and uh, everybody seems to respect him as a coach but at the end of the day he was coming from a team that had only won about six games all season coming to a team that had forgotten how to win as well so I don't think he's he's brought in a losing mentality into a team that needed somebody a bit more positive I suppose somebody who had um, who was doing quite well but yeah, I yeah. mean the the jury's still out on him, obviously. You've got to give him a bit of time. He's had eight games so far, and he's only won one game so far. So he's got a lot to do yet. There's eight games to go. Hopefully we can finish the season on a bit of a high and get a few more victories. But I think it depends, really, on the, in the summer again. Will he be able to bring in his own players, or will the director of football, Victor Orta, have a big say on what will be happening again? So it's going to be a big summer for Leeds United this summer. Uh, we don't want to be changing managers willy-nilly, left, right and centre like we did under Cellino. Uh, I think Radizan is a different owner altogether, and I don't think he'll be chopping and changing. I, th- I don't think he really wanted to sack Chris, isn't he? just that he didn't seem to have much choice with the form that we were under at the time. So I think the jury will, is still out on Hickey at the moment, but hopefully if he gets the right players in, in the summer and we finish the season on a bit of a high, um, I think, you know, you've got to give the guy a chance. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've got to agree with you there, Kev. I, I think that, you know, Heckingbottom's got credentials. Obviously, he did well at Barnsley, and I think he's just got to be given time. It's simple as that. Like you say, mm-hmm. he's, he's got a summer transfer window coming up. Hopefully, get rid of the deadwood and bring in the players he wants and, and then judge him next season, you know, in yeah. you know, ne- next Christmas or, ne- you know, next, next mm-hmm. March even. But uh, So hopefully things work out for him. But I'm going to put you on the spot now, Kev. One final question. Yeah. One, word, one word answer. Uh, I just want you to predict a playoff winner. <laughs> uh, the playoff winner? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, ooh, um, Aston Villa. Ooh, we're the second person to say that tonight. So we've got two to Villa so far. So we'll see what the remaining people say. Uh, but thank you for joining us, Kev. Uh, do you just want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, like I said before, it's uh, Twitter handle League United underscore Mad, um, website uh, League United the Mad, independent website for League United, where you can say anything you like about the club, and hopefully uh, we'll finish the season on a high with eight games to go. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. One hundred percent online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. 
you'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Now I just want to welcome Andy, who's a Derby County fan. Do you just want to introduce yourself and tell our listeners where they can find you? Hi, I'm Andy Buckley-Taylor, Derby County supporter. You can find me at Twitter uh, with the user handle at BookTaylor64. And I also uh, blog for the Derbyshire Times group of newspapers. Right, first of all, Andy, uh, I just want to take you back to pre-season. I noticed, obviously, Derby brought in a a couple of experienced players uh, prior to the season commencing. And... Because of that, what were your expectations prior to the season starting? Um, well, uh, Gary Rowett came in for the last nine games of last season. Um, we knew that um style of football would change. Um, and he, he brought in Tom Huddleston and Curtis Davies from Bull City. Uh, and... Uh, it's difficult to know exactly what to expect, yeah. but my, my 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 own hopes were for a solid top ten finish, and I, I believe that Gary Rowell would need two to three transfer windows to build a side that would play to his style of football, um, and uh, so far uh, we we've surpassed. Uh, what I expected us to achieve. Uh, and uh, I think adding a few more experienced players in the team has actually been a positive overall. You, you can't beat a bit of knowledge, a bit of experience. Some players who have been in the position before of being promoted. And uh, it's just getting the blend of experience with uh, youth and ambition right. And if, if you achieve that, you know, you, you, you're in with a very good chance of success. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there um, finishing in the top 10 and Derby is certainly on, on track to do so, even even better than that. Um, now, Derby have gone under the radar a little in, in, in the chase for promotion. I know they've dropped off a little, but can you see considerable improvements under Rowick compared to the McLaren days? Yeah, I can. Because under Steve McLaren, we played nice, attractive, passive football. But certain teams, after a well, after a certain period, teams have gotten wise to this, and they're just set up to, uh, you know, uh, beat that sort of tactic, 
where they would park the bus or hitters on the counter attacked with Gary Rowett we can uh, play an attacking football but we're also good on the counter there's there's more than one um, particular style to how he plays and uh, apart from you know we, we've had a few impressive victories like we've we've had a couple of 3-0 away wins we Hull City 5-0 at home where you know it was uh, quite pretty to watch but we we've also got the ability to uh, dig deep and win ugly where possible and such is the uh, nature of the championship you need more than one way to win a match and I think um, Rowett's uh, style of football is probably more suited to the championship than that of Steve McLaren. And he usually, you know, uh, does his homework on the opposition and he will set up to exploit any weaknesses that he, he thinks that they have. Yeah, I mean, I've been impressed with Derby County this season. I've, I've watched a lot of their games and, you know, they play some really good attacking football under Rowett, which, like I say, that impresses me. But one of your star performance performers this season, if I can say it, is Vidra. Um, obviously, the joint league top scorer with Bobby Reid. How, how come there's been such an improvement dramatically this season with Vidra? And, and because of his improvement, do you fear he may leave in the summer, possibly? <coughs> Excuse me. I, th- I, think, uh, I think it's quite, quite simple really why he's doing so well this season is he's been played in the correct role uh, yeah. when he was when he when he was at Watford he was playing off Troy Deeney but you, you take him to West Brom or his spell at Reading where he was struggling to score he was he was either being played as a lone striker or, and or out wide and he's just not that sort of player he, you, you're playing behind the striker and that, that's that's the role he was successful in before, and and that's what he's uh, he's he's done at Derby, um, apart from obviously under Nigel Pearson and uh, Steve McLaren, who didn't play him in that role. Gary Rowan mm-hmm. came in, um, he played Vidra behind the number nine position, and uh, he, you know he, he's 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 done really well in that. And apart from being you know joint top scorer in the division. His other work, uh, when he's, he's not scoring, has been very impressive as well. He links up with a number nine. Vidra is more of a number 10 striker. And uh, he lines up be, behind our striker. And uh, that, that's the strength he has. If, if you play a player to his strengths, um, it, it's obviously going to work better. Um, as regard to will he go in the summer, uh, I, I don't think so. You know... Um, I think he's happy now. Um, he's uh, playing well in a, in a, in a, in the team that uh, can complement his style of football. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, obviously, if somebody came in with a stupid money offer, then yeah, you know, <laughs> um, every, you, you know the old saying: every player has his price. But uh, I mean, hopefully, he will stay and uh, he will. Uh, kick on and and build on what he's achieved so far. Yeah, and again, I think it all boils down to, with Vidra, how well 
Derby's remainder of the season does go and, and you know what you do in the playoffs if you get there and, and, and you should get there. Quick question though as well. Um, obviously Sam Winnall, I'm a Wednesday fan so I've got to ask this question and I know he's injured and he's out for the remainder of the season but do you expect Derby to bid for him in the summer? Um, I think there'll be interest. Uh, he, he wasn't um, starting week in, week out and you could see what he was actually bringing to the team. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's a sort of player when he comes on. He does dominate in the in the opposition penalty area, um, and he's good in the air. And I actually think, had he not got injured, that Rowett wouldn't have signed Cameron Jerome. Mm-hmm. Um, if we are still in the championship next season, I expect that Gary Rowett will possibly make a move for him. He, he, I mean... And in the in this short period that he's been with us, he's become very popular with the crowd. But at the end of the day, it's um, if Sheffield Wednesday are, you know, willing to let him go, what sort of money they would want for him? Because you know, I, I think it's very difficult to put a price on him. Yeah, because, and uh, it, it's all ifs and ands, isn't it? So. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Winall, and we only paid half a million pounds for him. We, we, we stole him from Barnsley, really, and he's, he's obviously, you know, it's difficult to say he put a price on him because obviously he's injured at the minute. But when he has played, he, he, he managed to score goals, and, and, and he is impressive. And you know, if, if I have a feeling, obviously Wednesday probably will want to sell him in the summer. But if, if they were to do so, they'd probably want somewhere between three and four million pounds for him. Would probably make sense. It's whether Derby are willing to pay that. But like you said, also the bought in such as Jerome. Um, regarding Derby, though, they're currently fifth in the league, Andy. How do you see the remainder of the season going? And can Derby reach the Premier League via the playoffs this term? Do you think? I think any team that reaches a playoffs has got a good chance of going up. It's a lottery. If, if you if you go back um, to last season, Sheffield, Wednesday and Fulham were the teams that everybody was predicting yeah. um, that would be the two to watch in the playoffs. And it didn't work out like that. And I think you've got to bear that in mind. You know, often in the playoffs, what you expect to happen, the teams that you expect to uh go to Wembley, you know, it often doesn't happen. I think um, 13 points is possibly enough to guarantee a playoff spot. I think think 15 would certainly be, um, you know, uh, 15 will, will get you there. Looking through the fixtures of all the teams that, uh, are in the top six or, or just below it, and they've all got some difficult fixtures against each other. Um, most of it, n- nearly all of ours, are, are against a top six or a top six chasing side, or teams. You know, we've got, we've got a couple of games against teams that need to win because they're in a relegation yeah, yeah. battle. Yeah, yeah. So if we do make it, we're going to deserve to be there. Um, I can see fifteen points there for us without. Um, sounding big-headed, but but looking at it um, overall, and uh, I think if we are in the playoffs, I don't think teams will want to play us. Um, I know Fulham are possibly the the best side on current form in the championship, 
But when when you got like, well, it's it's, it's a mini cup competition. So yeah. if you, if you consider the fact that uh, apart from Wolves, we've kept the most clean sheets in the division all season. Um, we're not bad on the goal scoring uh, side either. So I don't think anyone will want to play us. And I, I think we'll have as good a chance as any of making the progress. Yeah, definitely. I think there's some real strong teams, obviously, in the playoffs at the minute. And I expect most of those teams to stay where they are. And it's it's going to be tough. And like you say, it is a lottery. But I'm going to put you on the spot now, Andy. I want a one-word answer. And I want you to predict a playoff winner this season. Well, I won't predict us. I'll never predict my own team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm saying Fulham. Your first person to say Fulham, two previously have said Aston Villa, so it's going to be interesting, obviously. I think Villa and Fulham are probably two of the strongest based on form. I know Villa had a little dip, but you know the players that they've got, they'll, they'll definitely be one of the favourites. But obviously, good luck to Derby. Um, and thank you for joining us, Andy. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, uh, BookTaylor64 is my Twitter handle. And you can find me on the various Derbyshire local newspaper websites where I have a, a, a weekly uh, blog uh, bringing you my views from Pride Park. Now we want to welcome uh, Lewis Hobbs, who is a Sheffield United fan. Do you just want to introduce yourself, mate, and tell uh, all the listeners where they can find you? Yeah, hi. So I'm Lewis Hobbs. Um, I represent Sheffield United on the podcast and you can find me on Twitter at, at underscore LH9 underscore. Right, first question, mate. So after last season's successful promotion campaign, uh, what were your expectations this season and you know where did you think Sheffield United would finish? Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a weird one going into this because obviously we've, we're coming off six years in the League One, which felt like forever. I think most players will agree with me that we thought we were never going to get out of that division. Mm-hmm. But obviously with Wilder coming in, we got a real refreshment of football, nice attacking fast-paced football and dominating the division as we did. I did go into the Championship quite quite positive because as, as we've seen previously, a lot of teams that do go up from the, um, from the League One to the Championship on a high note have that momentum behind them. We've seen like Wolves a couple of years ago when they first came up. I think they just narrowly finished out of out of the top six and, and how many teams in the past decade have, have gone on to do double promotions. So it wouldn't have been um, the weirdest thing to happen. And obviously it has happened, um, fortunately for us. But me going into um, the season, I, I predicted myself that anything really above 16th and I would be amazed by, really happy with, because after having six years of hell as what it was like, it would have. It's just an achievement to stay in this division, and it's 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 good that we've um, we've done that. Yeah, a lot of people have obviously been probably surprised by how well Sheffield United have done this season and where they are in the league, and and not only that, a lot of Sheffield United players have proved themselves at this level this season. Do you fear though, because of that, any players might leave in the summer? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we've got a really good squad of players. We've got some young players. Obviously, the obvious one that everyone seems to have been talking about all season is David Brooks. Despite him probably not being our best player by a long shot this year, 
mainly due to him being injured for quite a substantial amount of time. But when he has come on off the bench or when he started like against Wednesday, he, he just lights, he lights the team and he's that spark and he looks a special player. And in the future, he is going to be a Premier League talent. There's no two ways about it. Whether we can keep him another year, because obviously there was in January there was like 10 to 15 million price tags on him. And with him already being capped for the Wales national senior team, who knows how far um, he can progress. So hopefully we can keep him because he hasn't really got into that first team sheet with the likes of Mark Duffer, an oh, ageing yeah. player, but he's been really highly performing. So he hasn't really been able to get that first team claim, which next season, if we can keep him, I presume he will be having that. He'll be that first name on the team sheet. But we don't know whether we'll be able to keep him. And if, if a team like Liverpool, Everton, Spurs, who have been linked with him, do offer that £15 million, the club's not in the right state to turn that down, really. Other, other players, um, such as John Fleck, I think he's relatively underrated because you don't really see many other fans other than Blades saying how good he is. Yeah. For me... For me, he's one of the most complete midfielders in the division. He can defend, he can pick up the ball from the back, lead it to attacks. Like we saw last season, he was a top assister in the league. He got the player of the season in the league one. And after we lost Paul Coops, he's really had to pick up our midfield on his own. And when he's, when he's been on his day, when he's been sparking, we've, we've gone on and won the game. And I th- he's only 24, 25 young Young Scottish midfielder, so the likes your lower end Premier League teams, I presume, if they drop a couple million for him, we're we're not going to be keeping him. And another player is Jack O'Connell. He doesn't really seem to be that many English centre halves knocking about these days. I know there's the likes of Mawson, Tarkowski, but Jack O'Connell for me in the Championship is probably the best English young centre half. And he's got everything really. He's complete. He's six foot hundred big man really composed on the ball and and you've seen watching Sheffield United this season his confidence of picking that ball up charging down the left wing swinging a ball in he's a real asset to our team and I think if we if we lose him he'll be one of the biggest losses because our back our back three may be collapsed without him because he really is that spark and he's a leader in that team yeah, I'm going to mention there. You've, you've mentioned a few players, obviously, with you know age on their side as well. If if some of these players were to leave, do you expect to definitely get a few quid for them? You know, for five six million pound a piece. I mean, like you mentioned, Brooks there, fifteen million pound. Would that mean if Sheffield United were to miss out this season on on the playoffs, for example, with money coming in like that, do you think they could be stronger next season, or how, how would you see that panning out? Well, if if we do sell, if we do sell our players, which we have been known for over the six years in League One, our fans have been sick of it. We've been stigmatised as a selling club because the likes of Kyle Walker, Kyle Norton, Harry Maguire, all don't get me wrong, all top English players. But yeah, at the time when we sold them, not as good as what they are now. Um, and we, we we couldn't really we couldn't keep hold of them. And after getting a couple million for each, we never really got that money reinvested. Even with the likes of Shea Adams, who went to Birmingham, Jamie Murphy, who went to Brighton, it was a reoccurring theme at Bramall Lane that every season 
we'd narrowly miss out on getting promoted and then we'd sell our best player and bring in someone not as good. So if that happens, which I, I dread to think, I don't think it will. I think McCabe sorted him I think McCabe's really sorted himself out and there is obviously the discussion of whether Prince Abdullah is gonna buy the club fully off McCabe, which we'll have to wait and see, but more often than not, as we've seen this year with the likes of Reading, if we the teams that just narrowly miss out and likes of Wednesday, if you mm. narrowly miss out, it's the season after is really, really tough to get the same momentum behind you and, and push forward. So I personally I'm not really looking forward to next season if we do if we don't get to keep these players and we don't strengthen the squad as a whole because as as, as you've seen it's really hard um, falling back and trying to push for the playoffs the season after yeah definitely I mean like you've just mentioned there from my perspective it can knock you for six missing out uh, on the playoffs or falling short in the playoffs should I say Uh, but this remainder of this season do you still feel as though Sheffield United can get in the playoffs still well, yeah, yeah, I do. I think we've still got we've still got a tough runner runner games. We've still got Cardiff, Preston, Middlesbrough, and Bristol all to play. So it's in our hands. Yeah. If we can if we can go and get results from these games, we will finish in the top six. And as as you've seen throughout the season, we've played some really nice, attractive football. But it's just been those bad days out like Hull where we've we've come up short and it's it's just not looked like the same footballers. It's not looked like the same eleven footballers that played the week before. So if we can if we can play like we have from the first first start of the season where you think back like we left November at Ellen Road top of the table, it it's that seems like that seems like years ago now, um us mm-hmm. dropping out of form. But if we can push forward Personally, I I don't think we will. Unfortunately, I think our losing Paul Coots were massive, and you've heard me say it on the podcast. God knows how many times I'm like a broken record, but Paul Coots and John Fleck were the cogs, and yeah, and John Fleck on his own in the midfield just he does uh, he does his job, but the person at the side of him doesn't really seem to be doing his job as good as Lee Evans and John Lundstrom have been it on occasion. They just don't seem to make the team gel as much as what Coots did. So we we can, like I said, but I do think we'll narrowly miss out. Yeah, it's tough at the minute. I know there's a lot of strong clubs, uh, you know, the ones that are sat in the playoff spots at the minute. They're, they're all they've all got credentials to be in in the Premier League, and we've touched on that earlier. But as well as the players, obviously proving themselves. Uh, this season, Lewis Wilder has proved proved himself as a manager also at this level. Do, do you expect a few clubs, maybe a, a lower league Premier League team or a you know a, a bit a bigger Championship team, trying to poach such as Wilder over over the course of the summer? Or yeah, definitely. I think clubs like your likes of Everton who fold fold out this down this season and teams that might narrowly miss out, they'd be stupid not to give him a ring and. See if he'll come because, as we haven't just seen for this season, but past three seasons, dominated the League Two with Northampton, came yeah. straight to us, dominated the League One, and his first first season as a manager in the Championship. And let's be real, on paper, he's got a team 
which shouldn't be anywhere near top half um, championship, and he's mm. got them playing. Got the likes of Leon Clark scoring 15 goals a season. Um, so definitely, I think. Well, and if you look back at January when uh, Everton was linked with Sean Dyche, Burnley was um, Chris Wilder was linked with the Burnley job. If if the likes, if that was to happen, would Wilder would Wilder be able to turn down the money? Because I don't think we'd be able to offer him. He has been tied down to I think a four year deal, so we have got that on our side. But as much as he is a lifelong blade, loves the club, would die for the club. Is would it would it be worth staying if you can if you can get that Premier League moving and you can get the the big bucks? Yeah, I think you're right. I can definitely see, obviously, a team like, you know, West Brom or Stoke or Burnley, like you mentioned, you know, teams like that. I can see Wilder definitely be linked. I don't know whether, you know, he'd make the move. And I know, like you say, he's a United fan, but I'm sure he'd be up there with one of the favourites to, to go to a team like that. Like you say, at the Premier League move, you, you can't always turn that down. But I'm going to put you on the spot now, Lewis. Uh, one final question. I just want you to predict, if you can, a playoff winner this season. Fulham, Fulham for me. Fulham, Fulham. Okay, that's funny because we've had we, we've gone through it. We've had two who've said Aston Villa, and we've had two now who've said Fulham. So it's interesting. And if I were choosing, I'd probably go for Fulham. Also, yeah. uh, but thank you for joining us, Lewis. Do you just want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yes, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at, at underscore lh nine underscore. And I've been your host also. My name is Louis Shackshaft. I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Louis Shackshaft or visit my website, which is louisshackshaft.com, where there's all my articles and blogs and Sheffield Wednesday statistics on there. Uh, but I just want to thank all the listeners for listening. Um, check out our Twitter page at Championship Pod, where we regularly post updates and polls and obviously keep you updated with all the latest shows. So check that out. Thanks again for listening. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.